0: Welcome to Lumpin' Week in Review, the show that covers the past week of news, happenings, and programs presented on WLPN. This week, Lumpin' Radio chatted with the mastermind behind MSI's popular Lego exhibits, heard new jams from a top Chicago band, learned about a regional style of music from Mexico, and got a lesson in hitting the heavy bag. All this plus the Trump Diaries and much more, only on the Lumpin' Week in Review for February 23, 2018. Bad at Sports spoke to Marcella Torres about Body Armor, her new group show at Acre. Torres talked about harm, her sculptures of punching bags, and why she spends so much time at the gym instead of at her studio. Bad at Sports airs every Wednesday at 11 a.m.
1: Hello. Welcome to Bad at Sports Center on this beautiful February morning. We're getting a little bit of a late start, and I apologize for that. This is Ryan Peter Miller, and I'm here today with... Jesse Malmed. And...
2: Marcela Torres.
1: Welcome, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking with Marcela Torres about her upcoming, or I'm sorry, current awesome. show at Acre uh, called Body Armor.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, Marcela, please forgive my inability to wrap my mouth around <laughs> the correct pronunciation here. Uh I'll try my best to correct that. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the show?
2: Yeah. And I just want to say about my name also, like, I, I just appreciate when people try.
1: I am Yeah, I am so,
2: so I'm appreciating <laughs> you
1: for that. Thank you.
2: Um, so the show is a, a group show at Acre. Um, there are four people in it. Uh, so it's Kim Yee, Lewin Sherman, and Chelsea Flowers. And then, of course, myself. And uh, the show is curated by Lauren Leving. And it's sort of about this idea, like it's a very popular theme of like self-care and self-defense and the multiple uh, variations of that. So like uh, Kimmy makes work um, sort of like about queerness and sex work. And so it's the combination of how can like BDSM and like harm in a way be actually self-care. And Lewin Sherman makes work Um, about the trans experience, Mm -hmm. and so then that also is is sort of this back and forth between care and uh, harm and how those things can be beneficial to a person. Um, And then, yeah, my work, what I'm presenting there now is um, a series of... Basically punching bags. So there's a ground and pound bag. And by ground and pound, it's like a UFC MMA term where you're on someone (laughs) punching them. Mm -hmm. And so it's a... So more
4: like sculptural than other...
2: Yeah. So so then it's a bag that's meant to be on the ground and you would sit on top of. So I'm presenting that. And then a double end bag that is um, also leather and is attached to the ceiling and also to the ground. So when you hit it, it bounces back. And then there's also mitts that I made. Um, and the, these are objects um, sculptures but they are also an installation meant to be used uh, so I, I'm I'm making a lot more work where like basically it's a setup for performance like people can perform with them if they come into the studio or to the gallery they can like let their energy out on them but also like me and a group of people perform with them.
1: So is um, the the topic of of fighting is like mixed martial arts uh Mm -hmm. is this a thing a common recurring theme in your work
2: oh yeah yeah i'm really interested in like how violence um how like maybe oppression and violence has incurred like a a want to then um exercise that in a way that is uh powerful to oneself so like in my life i have like um sort of like grappled with forms of racism or sexism within like my background of being from salt lake city utah and being like raised Mormon. So like I had like a lot of moments where I was like, oh, I'm experiencing this weird invisible thing that I don't know how to like get out of or how to exercise. And it made me feel angry. (laughs) And so like more and more I'm like, yeah, I feel like I need to get this energy out like in a tangible way instead of it being secret. And so I'm really interested in the way that violence um, can be exercised in a way that again is uh, beneficial to the person. So to me like when I, came to Chicago, two and a half years ago, Um, I had been like an avid weight trainer. So I was doing a lot of uh, Olympic lifting. And yeah, I found a lot of like, self reparation through fitness, where there's this like, idea of a wall. Um, so you're working out, you're working out, and you're like, "This is awful. I don't want to do this anymore. This is terrible. I can't do any more." And then you pass it, and you're like, "Yeah," <laughs> and you get jacked and pumped. Once you break through the wall, it feels even The better. literal wall, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so um, that was really powerful to me because I didn't know like the value of my body. And then I was like, "Well, I can deadlift like 250, so that's the value." You know, like the actual weight was the value. And so then when I arrived here. I knew that I wanted to take that to a different place where I wanted to, yeah, I can lift a lot. That's great. But, like, if somebody attacked me, what would I do? I, like, what? Like, throw, <laughs> Like find a bunch of weight and throw it on them? Like, what would, right. what would, what would that be? Right. Turn like them into the weights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pick them up and bench <laughs> lift them? You know, like, that would be cool. But... Yeah. Um, <laughs> I could only do that with a small person.
1: (laughs) And they may not be patient enough to wait for
3: that
2: to happen. (laughs) Be like, hold on, you want my money? But, (laughs) um, so like, I really wanted to have this ability to take care of myself. And even if like no one attacked me or I didn't have to like, um, think that way anymore because Chicago is very different. You know, there aren't as many like tiny microaggressions that are like, uh, coming at me all the time. And so, um, I just wanted to feel like I could take care of myself and so I wanted to train to fight um, and so I started doing Muay Thai and boxing and jujitsu, um, and yeah like really taking reins of what I wanted my body to be like in a different way and like a leaner way and also like have certain technical skills um, and like for the first year and a half I was here I was like wrestling everyone like all the time. It mm-hmm. was like kind of a problem. Like the second I had like one drink, I'd be like, let's wrestle. And it'd be like out in the street, <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. Um, it, yeah, actually, yeah. yeah.
4: You'd be like, this is not a performance, I'm actually asking you to wrestle me now. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm not, it's not for a project, it's just for my life. <laughs> yeah, and so, um, yeah, so then I became really invested in sort of that scene of, of um, martial arts and also other artists who do martial arts. Um, and yeah, it's become like this way of life. I'm like, I'm I'm really interested in doing amateur fighting. Uh, although like, I, I, it's hard for me to train that hard because I want to do things like this, you know, or like, like participate in arts community or teach or do all these different things or like eat a snack sometimes. And I would have to be like really restrained. I would have to like lose like 30 pounds, you know, and I'd have to be really strict in a way that like wouldn't mean or would mean that i wouldn't be able to participate in other kinds of like arts events or daily life
1: so i'm gonna uh there was a lot there and Mm -hmm. i think we're gonna have opportunity to talk about it i want to pull it back to the show just a little bit that's currently up yeah um what is your connection to the to the other artists in the show like how did you get to know them or or what is your relationship with them
2: Yeah. So Lewin and I went to Acre together and so we became pretty good friends. And when we were there, we were, um, actually like boxing training together. Lewin has some interests in boxing and likes to use like physical, um, activities in his artwork as well. Um, so we, I, I was training him to box and teaching him to box. And since then he's found a collective, a trans boxing collective in New York city where he lives. Um, and they performed uh, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then, like, he's beginning to use, like, boxing as um, a way to think about transness and, like, in between and violence and care as well. Uh, so, you know, I think that Lewin and I have a, a fairly good relationship and, like, we're talking about similar things. But... Um, but also, like, really different experiences.
4: Well, so, so one thing that actually kind of raises the question that I had earlier when you were talking is that, because also <clears throat> my recollection is that also Lewin at the time, uh, he was doing a lot of rock climbing, probably still is, mm-hmm. and how that's similar to weightlifting is a more solitary endeavor or one that doesn't require other people. Um, mm-hmm. But then boxing and MMA, I mean, you're making these sculptures that, like, are about the training for this situation, but that you've also done these performances where it's you and another person, and mm-hmm. there's a fight that is maybe uh i don't know that but we can talk about sort of like the level of improvisation and choreography that's happening inside of it but it does require for it to be like fully done there needs to be somebody else who's a part of it Mm -hmm. can you talk about that a little bit about just like what it's like to have those conversations before how it's how it feels when maybe the other person is or is not either as invested in it as a martial art or as an art form or yeah can you talk a little bit about that
2: so are you asking me about, like, the the need for another person or, like, yeah. the commitment level to the art?
4: Just just needing another person to be able to have the mm-hmm. work exist. Like, for, for a fight to exist, there needs to be somebody else in the yeah. fight,
3: right?
2: Yeah. So, like, it, that's one thing that's interesting when you meet another artist that has even a slightly similar interest. Because, like, I begin to catalog them and I'm like, you. <laughs> like, I'll... As in, like, I could take you, or oh, (laughs) well, that's true. Let's go. Um, No, like, like you don't meet a lot of you need. You do meet a lot Mm -hmm. of artists who think it'd be fun to fight, Mm -hmm. but you don't meet a lot of other trained bodies. Um, that that understand like the difference between, like. In in the martial arts when you're fighting, like you wanna be against someone that's as good as you. You're right. not going to do like cheap moves and it becomes like a literal dance, like when you are dancing some like really intense ballroom or something, you wanna be with a partner that like understands your cues. You don't necessarily like me other people who have like the technical skills. So when you do meet someone, like when Luan and I meet each other, you know, it's very important to, to remember each other and then be like begin to think of each other, how we might affect each other's practices or um, partake in, in them.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Cox spoke to Adam Reed Tucker, architect turned Lego engineer and constructor behind the Museum of Science and Industry's Lego exhibits. Tucker spoke about his love for Legos, their popularity, and how the toy can teach kids basic concepts of engineering. Tech Scene Chicago airs every Friday at one.
5: And our, our next guest today is Adam Reed Tucker and he's here to talk with us about his Lego displays and upcoming Lego museum. He is a number of things. He is one of 16 Lego certified professionals in the world, owner of brick brick structures and chairman of Blocks to Bricks Museum. As well, he is a conceiver and developer of the Lego architecture line. Adam, welcome to the show.
6: Well, thank you for having me.
5: We're glad that you're here today. Let's start with one word, Legos.
6: Yes well actually it's Lego bricks. <laughs> Lego bricks okay yes.
5: that's good so um, and, and that's that's the like uh, official language to use to refer to Legos you call them Lego bricks
6: That is correct yes
5: okay and, and so adults build with Lego bricks Tell us about this is there a stigma about adults using
6: a kid's toy? Well of course there is and mm-hmm. I fight that every day mm-hmm. and uh, the parent company Lego obviously spends a lot of resources, uh, you know, <clears throat> focusing their efforts on kids. And here I am as an adult repurposing a child's toy. So uh, it's it's coming from two different angles. And the perspective is, is why does a interlocking, uh, interlocking or interconnecting building brick have to be relegated to just kids? Why can't adults use it for three-dimensional creativity to express their artistic side?
3: Mm-hmm
5: hmm and, and so you build Lego brick replicas of architectural masterpieces. It, tell us about this.
6: I do. It started about uh, 10 years ago. I used to be an architect for a living, and uh, the economy had other thoughts regarding that career path. As we all know, the, the, the bubble burst in '06, so I had to kind of reinvent mm-hmm. myself. And I really mm-hmm. enjoyed model building in college. That was really my strength, and uh, I had this idea of using bricks to make large replicas of world-famous buildings to educate the public on how feats of engineering and architecture work. And I was actually inspired by the unfortunate events of 9-11. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people had conspiracy theories and didn't understand why the buildings s- sustained the damage and then collapsed. And, and I thought, well, with my background of structural engineering architecture, I could, I could teach people visually obviously in a very simplistic form, of what exactly happened to those buildings and that tragedy. And so I created uh, my first building, which is about seven feet tall of the original World Trade Centers.
3: Wow.
5: And, and, and how has your understanding of engineering changed as a result of using
6: Lego bricks? Well, that's a good question. Um, well, as a real architect, if I were to use Lego bricks to make real buildings— It would make an architect and an engineer's life a lot easier. Um, But uh, to answer your question, I think it it just has to do with problem solving and design challenges and understanding how the connectivity of parts and elements go together to, to create something from your imagination.
3: Hmm.
5: And, and how, how do these replicas help people understand architecture and engineering? You mentioned the, the World Trade Center replica, but, but what else do your replicas do to help uh,
6: people understand these things? So uh, as an artist and someone who has a, uh, a strong passion for the philosophy of design theory, I don't get caught up too much in the details of a building because obviously you're not going to replicate a 1,400-foot skyscraper into 140 inches. Um, but what I do is I take my artistic interpretation, and um, it allows me to capture the essence of a structure into its pure sculptural form. And, and I think that's um, partly what is successful about combining the Lego brick as a medium and architecture. It's, architecture and engineering is very intimidating to a lot of people that don't understand. And uh, Lego is often viewed as something very infantile.
7: Mm-hmm. And if
6: you combine the two, you kind of create this whimsical marriage which makes understanding architecture and engineering um, much more approachable.
3: Hmm.
5: Yeah, and so you just helped our listeners understand um, kind of the connection between the Lego bricks and the seriousness of, of engineering. Is, is, do you have any other thoughts on that?
6: Um, no, you mm-hmm. covered it.
5: We covered it. We got it. And uh, now uh, another, a personal question for you. Where do you work on your models?
6: So um, – one of my biggest fans of architecture, um, not to sound cliche in the architectural world, but uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, mm-hmm. uh, the one takeaways uh, researching and, and learning uh, all about him was uh, the concept of a, of a home studio. Um, mm-hmm. And so I wanted to, to kind of bring that back into to my life, if you will. So instead of, um, you know, leasing out office space and wasting that equity, Um, I decided to find a home that had an artist studio Mm -hmm. as its component, just like Frank Lloyd Wright used to do. So I think the reason being is a lot of creative ideas um, are are not very timely. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, I may have an idea and I can't wait until I I wake up. And certainly with Chicago weather, Mm
7: -hmm. it's nice
6: to walk down a 50 foot hallway and uh, put something together very quickly, and so that's the advantage of having a, a home studio: is that it's a much more personable experience in terms of having a place where I can go and and kind of do my art, so to speak.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: That's great. And and how how do you store your your models um, and and Lego brick pieces?
6: Well. Um, to answer your first part of your question, how do I store my models? Well, I try not to store them because if I'm storing them, that means they're not on display exhibiting around the world, which is um, something that uh, I try to avoid. But uh, yes, when they do have to be transported and moved around, um, they are crated. Um, everything from simple cardboard boxes to specialized wooden crates. And then the parts. Where mm-hmm. do I store about 13 or 14 million bricks that is um, that's an interesting one. Uh, it started in the house in a few rooms, mm-hmm. and then it took over the house, and then mm-hmm. it went to offsite storage, and so now I've got Lego brick in probably six different locations throughout Chicago land. Wow! And how many million? It's anywhere between thirteen and sixteen million bricks. Million. Land. Yes, Wow, yes.
5: You keep them in like Ziploc bags, little containers. <laughs> I mean, my goodness.
6: No, they're in large and large boxes. They get shipped um, from Lego factories straight to Chicago and they're housed in what we call K8 boxes, which is a fancy factory term for a box that roughly measures three feet wide by two by two feet.
5: Wow. And, and so now now where, where do you get all of your, your Legos? You get them directly from the company?
6: Well, when I first started this crazy idea 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I was much like anyone else. I bought the product. So mm-hmm. I pretty much stripped a lot of local Toys R Us's to get the bricks. And so one of my first models, like I had alluded to before, was the uh, World Trade Center. And the second one I did was the Empire State Building. Mm-hmm. And to create that Empire State Building, I literally went out and I think I went to seven Toys R Us's in the Chicagoland area and bought every Harry Potter Hogwarts Castle set. So if you are missing a minifigure from that line, I probably have a stash of them somewhere. Mm. Um But because back then there was no way for me to get parts that I needed and Mm -hmm. I needed tan and that was a relatively new color at that time uh, roughly nine, ten years ago and so that's what I did. Um, So I bought them at retail but now being a Lego certified professional um, I do have the ability of of acquiring brick at cost from the Lego group.
5: Yeah wow it is interesting how how you get all of that and Um, I bet you made a a lot of friends at uh, Toys R Us stores. (laughs)
6: Uh, I still give them some business, too, because with the lead times and and the ships and the ports and all that, if I do need some parts to finish a piece, I have been known to go out and drop $1,000 to get 16 parts Mm. to finish a model because I just didn't have the time to order it and and get it, yeah.
3: Oh, my. (laughs)
8: Size Matters won't be heard this week. But Lumpin' Radio presents the Undertown Unincorporated Community Calendar. So strap on in and feast your air meat on this. Current events. At this moment, the boys over at Radio Free Bridgeport are droning on about their gubernatorial candidates and all that nonsense that goes with such conversation. I hope you find this event calendar a welcome oasis. Now on with it. Weather report. Report. The temperature is currently 72 degrees inside Studio B. Arrivals. Arrivals. As of January, millennial people have been immigrating to Undertown. The official derogatory word for them is millenniumy.
7: Infrastructure. Infrastructure.
8: The rain has made a series of potholes for residents under Halstead, Archer and Loomis. Please do not try filling potholes from Undertown. Potholes must be filled from Bridgeport. Department Department of of Tourism. Tourism. In order to draw tourism to Undertown, a level eater pop-up will be taking place throughout the month of March beneath Pershing Road. So So far far as as I I can can tell, tell. So far as I can tell, it's totally cool to fish a glob of peanut butter out of the jar with your finger. And that concludes today's Undertown Unincorporated Community Calendar. The Undertown Unincorporated Community Calendar is presented by Lumpin' Radio and is generously underwritten by the mysterious Colby Turner.
0: Radio Free Bridgeport welcomed Chicago band Big Sin back into the studio for a live set. This set was recorded in Studio A under the neon lights. Radio Free with John Daly is live every Tuesday at 4 p.m.
9: The Trump Diaries. A school shooting in Florida increases pressure on Trump to change gun laws. Instead, he tries to blame the FBI and Obama. Thirteen people are indicted by Mueller, sending Trump into a rage as the legitimacy of his election is called into grave question. The FCC is investigating its own chairman over a Tribune bid. These are the Trump Diaries. A 392, February 15th. A shooting at a high school in Florida alarmed the nation. Trump tweeted that students and neighbors should have reported the Florida shooter to authorities because there were, quote, so many signs that the shooter was mentally disturbed. In fact, multiple people had warned about the shooter. The FBI had been tipped off as well, but they fumbled that tip, leading to calls from Florida Governor Rick Scott that the director of the FBI should resign. Trump signed a bill very early on in his presidency that loosened rules on people with mental health issues buying weapons. Several immigration bills failed in Congress, including a bipartisan measure that Trump had threatened to veto. The bill's failures leave the dreamers with no clear path forward and little movement on longstanding debates over immigration. The IRS and Justice Day issued subpoenas for documents from lenders and investors related to projects managed by Jared Kushner's family. Trump's inaugural committee paid nearly $26 million to an event planning firm started by his wife's close friend and advisor. It is not clear what the firm actually did during the event to generate such lavish rewards. Scott Pruitt obtained a blanket waiver to book first-class flights using taxpayer dollars, claiming security concerns. However, Politico reports those concerns became Pruitt's was once confronted by a man who said he was effing up the environment. Trump's proposed military parade would cost between 10 and $30 million. And one week after aid, Rob Porter was forced to resign after pictures of his battered ex-wife appeared on the Internet. Trump grudgingly allowed he was, quote, totally opposed to domestic violence. Day 393, February 16th, Robert Mueller today handed down 13 indictments against Russian nationals and Russian entities for interfering with U.S. elections and political processes. Mueller is accusing all the defendants of conspiracy to defraud the United States, including bank fraud and wire fraud. The indictment specifically charges the Russians used social media to support the campaign of Donald Trump and disparage Hillary Clinton. In a press conference, Deputy Attorney General Ron Rosenstein said this information warfare didn't affect the outcome of the presidential election. He also added there were no allegations that any American was a knowing participant. Trump tweeted that the Russian indictments are vindication, quote, that there was no collusion. In fact, Mueller can and may still bring indictments against Americans. Trump's glee would prove to be short-lived as well. In a related story, former advisor Rick Gates apparently has worked out a plea deal with Mueller and is cooperating. Stephen Bannon has also spoken on the record with Mueller for some 20 hours. And Karen McDougal, a former playmate, revealed she had an affair with Trump when his wife was pregnant. The story originally purchased by the parent organization that owns the National Enquirer was slated to run before the election. However, in a so-called catch-and-kill operation, it was apparently spiked to protect Trump. McDougal, who is a Republican, says she broke off the affair over Trump's racist statements. Trump's wife, Melania, is reportedly furious over the reports. Day 394, February 17th. The FCC is investigating if its own chairman colluded with Sinclair Broadcasting to loosen rules that allowed the company to purchase the Tribune Corporation. A rules change was put through allowed Sinclair to make a $3.9 billion bid for Tribune that has been vehemently opposed by other broadcasters on both sides of the ideological spectrum as anti-competitive. AGPI Pai apparently has been under investigation since last year. The New York Times reports that 130 White House employees do not have or cannot obtain permanent security clearances. Of these, 47, including Jared Kushner, directly report to Trump. Chief of Staff John Kelly has ordered an overhaul of the process for granting clearances that will revoke top-secret access for some aides and could affect Kushner as well. Kelly's memo suggested there were serious shortcomings with the system. The Trump administration has declared imports of steel and aluminum from China as a threat to national security. That would allow Trump to impose punitive tariffs. Any tariffs are likely to bring reciprocity, while American steel and aluminum manufacturers hailed the move. The makers of metal goods warned prices could spiral. Former Trump aide Rick Gates has agreed to plead guilty to fraud-related charges and to testify against Paul Manafort. Gates is seeking a substantial reduction in a pending prison sentence. Mueller handed out indictments against 13 Russian nationals Friday. Also, Mueller is charged an attorney with making a false statement when he was interviewed about work he did with a Trump campaign advisor six years ago. That attorney, Alex van der Svan, worked in London for a prominent New York law firm. He was expected to appear in court on Tuesday. He is accused of making false statements regarding communications he had with Gates about work done in Ukraine. And the secretary of the Veterans Administration is claiming Trump is trying to force him out. David J. Shulkin has been a rare figure with bipartisan support, but a recent report involving rigged is claimed to be being used to oust Shulkin. Day 395, February 18th. The president spent the weekend stewing over news coverage of the indictment secured last week against more than a dozen Russians. In a series of angry and defiant tweets, Trump tried to blame Democrats and Obama for Russia's attacks in the USA. Trump tweeted Trump, if it was the goal of Russia to create discord, disruption and chaos within the US with all of the committee hearings, investigation and party hatred, they have succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. Trump claimed they are, quote, laughing their asses off in Moscow. That rant was even more defiant and aggressive than usual for him. However, National Security Advisor HR McMaster told the Munich Security Conference the evidence is now incontrovertible Russia meddled in the US political system. Trump tweeted in response, General McMaster forgot to say that the results of the 2016 election were not impacted or changed by the Russians, but the only collusion was between Russia and Crooked H, the DNC and the Dems. The Times reports that behind the scenes, White House aides and advisors have been telling key allies to ignore Trump's tweets. Trump in a vile tweet also claimed the FBI failed to catch the Florida shooter due to the Russia probe Trump tweeted very sad that the FBI missed all of the many signals sent up by the Florida school shooter this is not acceptable they're spending too much time trying to prove Russian collusion with the Trump campaign there is no collusion get back to the basics and make us all proud 396 February 19th. Robert Mueller is now reportedly investigating Jared Kushner's financial transactions in New York. An office building at 666 Fifth Avenue, which formerly was home to DC Comics, has been a troubled part of the Kushner empire. Students from Parkland, Florida, are calling for a March 24th march on Washington to call for new gun control laws. A mass shooter left 17 dead at a high school there last week. In related news, students held a die-in in front of the White House on Monday. In related news, Trump is reportedly seeking changes in the federal background checks for prospective gun buyers. Senator John Corn of Texas has introduced legislation that would toughen those checks. The move is a departure for Trump, who relies on the National Rifle Association for support, but has been under increasing siege with a wave of American mass shootings. Aides in the Trump administration expressed relief privately to the reporters that the shootings in Florida drew attention away from the multiple scandals engulfing the White House. Trump's tweet about the shootings and the FBI has been called a new low. While on the golf course in Florida, Trump took time out to accuse Oprah Winfrey of being quote, very insecure and biased and slanted. Winfrey had moderated a TV discussion panel between 14 pro and 18 anti-Trump voters. Day 397, February 20th. Just hours after the Florida shooting, Twitter bots controlled by Russia moved to exploit divisions in the American discord. Experts said the bots systematically focus on anything divisive in the USA. And CNN reports Mueller's interest in Jared Kushner has expanded beyond his contacts with Russia to include his efforts to secure financing from his company from foreign investors during the presidential transition. In related news, Donald Trump Jr. is in India today attempting to sell more than $1 billion in investment in the Trump organization. He is also apparently to give an impromptu foreign policy speech. Some states have complained formally they are not getting the information they need to safeguard the vote. The Trump administration is apparently not sharing specifics about threats to registered databases, voting machines, communication networks, and other systems. Only 21 election officials nationwide to received clearance to review classified federal information on election threats. Day 398, February 21st. The New Washington Post poll blames Trump and Congress for not doing enough to stem the tide of mass shootings in America. Americans overwhelmingly support stricter gun control measures, but congressmen, pressured by lobbyists from the NRA, have instead systematically loosened controls. Trump did late Tuesday attempt to ban so-called bump stocks, such as those used by the Vegas shooter. Such stocks are rarely involved in mass shootings and Trump called claims of sexual assault by a woman false. Rachel Crooks, who was running for office and has sued the president for assault, was featured on the front page of the Post this morning. Trump tweeted, quote, a woman I don't know and to the best of my knowledge never met is on the front page of the fake news Washington Post, saying I kissed her in the lobby of Trump Tower 12 years ago never happened. Who would do this in a public space with live security cameras running? Another false accusation. Rachel Crooks actually claims the incident happened outside of an office on the 24th floor, not in the lobby. And in an annual poll ranking presidents, political scientists and historians ranked Abraham Lincoln first. Trump was ranked dead last. These are the Trump Diaries.
0: Cantro Radio spoke with the Chicago-based group Ida y Vuelta. The band plays what is called Son Jorocho, a regional variant of song music from Veracruz in Mexico. Cantro airs every Sunday at 9 a.m.
10: Acabamos de escuchar en vivo. Siki. Que es una bienvenida al estilo jarocho. Y el día de hoy nos acompaña ida y vuelta. Y bueno, dentro de este este género musical que lleva ya aproximadamente 300 años, me comentabas, eh, ¿de dónde se formó? ¿Cómo se originó?
11: Bueno, esta música viene del sur de Veracruz, más específicamente. En Veracruz, este hay diferentes estilos de, de son jarocho, desde el norte, que es un poco más este, rápido, el arpa es donde más este es más prominente en el puerto de Veracruz. Entonces, lo que ustedes han escuchado a lo mejor en, en ballet folclórico, ¿no? Toda uh-huh. esa música viene del puerto de Veracruz. Pero entonces, cuando te vas al sur, la música cambia bastante. de es ese mismo estilo pero y hasta los mismos instrumentos, varios de ellos pero es un poco más lento, es un poco tiene un poco más de um, como soul es este cómo se dice, um, o sea, no es tan rápido, ¿no? no es tan este para impresionar sino más como para sentir la música. Entonces ahí ya se expande más los la mus- instrumentos, ahí ya, ya puedes ver leonas, diferentes tipos de jaranas, a diferentes tipos de guitarras de son que son como los que llevan la melodía, de repente las arpas, no tanto. Uh, y percusiones pues una una un bastante una extensión bastante grande de, de percusiones ahora no el, el instrumento de percusión que es realmente más importante ahí en Veracruz es el pandero pero también se ha incorporado ahora el la quijada de burro que viene de la influencia uh, africana de Perú y también con eso viene el cajón que empezaron a incorporar hace como 10 años um, y pues este esta música básicamente la la um, se conforma de las tres raíces de en México no o de Latinoamérica realmente que es este la, la raíz nativa de diferentes pueblos de, de las de las Américas y la, la influencia española y también la influencia africana que es bastante prominente aunque no se escucha tanto en, en México por ejemplo que hay mucho africano en México hay bastante no en toda la música mexicana hay alguna influencia africana y entonces más que más que muchas este este Veracruz um, el son jarocho tiene bastante de eso no es bastante rítmica también el zapateado es este bastante complejo los ritmos no hay mucho uh, contrapunto que significa que hay como dos melodías al mismo tiempo pero pero a veces de que se peleen este se juntan y pueden este hacer como una armonía de, de, de ritmos y de melodías entonces este pues más o menos <risa> algo así
10: sí eh, lo que se más interesante dentro de este uh, dentro de este género de son a comparación de otros eh, géneros que surgieron en México es eh, la manera que se compone los sones música lírica o lírica música y, y danza cierto dentro de la lírica de qué manera se compone eh, los sones yo sé que tienen diferentes estructuras cada 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 tipo de, de música tradicional en México
11: uh-huh. pues este um, básicamente la estructura de, de los de todos los sones en México este realmente se es muy parecida la la forma cómo se hace um, es la decir uh, que es como el jazz no tienes como más o menos los acordes que es como la base de toda la de toda la de todo el son y también el ritmo que le llamamos nosotros al acento no cada en Veracruz cada son tiene un acento diferente y dependiendo del acento de ese son ya le puedes meter diferentes este versos o décimas uh-huh. y los versos regulantes son de um, como de tres a seis líneas, ¿no? Se pueden este, hacer una combinación diferente. Y las décimas ya son 10 líneas de, de poesía, específicamente, ¿no? Y eso viene ya de España. Um, y, bueno, como te digo, en, en el son jarocho es, es bastante interesante porque cada son es como que su propio mundo, ¿no? este, No se juntan tanto con uno con el otro. Y en otros estilos de sones, de, de diferentes del huasteco o de um, son de tarima de Guerrero o los jaliscienses, ya es un poquito más este, estructurizado, ¿no? de canciones incluso
12: um, sí, cada son tiene su propio mundo, pero cada, a veces cada verso tiene su propio mundo um, los sones tienen un concepto en general punto que se puede hablar del amor o, o, o de la muerte o, o de la, la naturaleza y cada verso en el son tiene su propio mundo. Empieza su historia y termina su historia. Y no es a comparación de una canción donde es una historia que empieza y y que termina. Un son, a veces un verso, puede estar solo, ¿no? No necesita ni introducción ni ni final, sino ya viene incluido en el el verso. Y y como decía Zach B., o sea, desde desde versos de, de tres líneas hasta cuatro o cinco líneas con una cierta rima y un cierto número, un, una cuenta de sílabas que le que le da el ritmo a, a ciertos sones
10: ¿De qué manera funciona cuando ustedes... Eh, estaba leyendo que cada son puede haber durado mm-hmm. o tiene, como, tiene la misma base, pero que cada quien le da su diferente interpretación dependiendo de quién lo esté tocando o quién lo esté cantando.
11: cuando sí. la cosa... Um, La parte más... La que más me gusta de, de, de los sones realmente... Es la diferencia entre un son y una una canción... Uh-huh. En, en español, ¿no? Um, las canciones tienen un principio... Mitad... Y final... Durante uh-huh. son como tres... Cinco, cinco minutos, ¿no? Pero los sones tienen un empiezo... Y ya... Nunca se acaban, ¿no? Es hasta que te canses de, de, de tocar... Hasta que te, ya, ya no haya besos o lo que sea, ya que, que se cansan de tocar es cuando se acaba pero realmente no se acaba no sino es como que se queda en el aire uh, para que lo empiece alguien más en otro momento por ejemplo acabo de venir de, del encuentro de jaraneros este número 39, de que, que pasa en tlacotalpan veracruz y ahí pues cada son como son como cuatro noches de, de, de fandangos que son um, como fiestas este como de comunidad comunales donde se juntan músicos, este, versadores, baila- bailadoras, bailadores, y pues gente que nada más quiere escuchar. Y hay comida, hay bebida, hay este... Es como pues es toda una comunidad, ¿no?, que se crea. Um, y entonces ahí lo que pasa es de que se toca desde ponle, desde las 10 de la noche hasta que se, hasta que se alcance, ¿no? Algunos algunos fanegos que, que estuvo ahí, que estuve ahí, se acabaron como hasta las 11, 12 de la Bueno, 11 de la mañana, 12 de la tarde. Del siguiente día. Ajá. Y es chistoso porque el primer día que que estuvimos ahí, um, como ya hay mucha mucha gente joven, entonces sí son bastante intensos los los, los fandangos. Y hay una, una, un son que se llama El Zapateado, que mucha gente debe conocer por por el, el, el ballet folclórico. Uh, pero este zapateado que estábamos tocando, pues este duró como dos horas y media. Entonces... Esa, esa noche pues ya mi mano ya se las, se lastimó, básicamente se cansó bastante, ¿no? entonces ya me dolía toda la, todo el brazo y la mano, entonces ya tuve que bajarle un poquito para los diferentes fandangos. Todavía toqué, pero pues la primera noche fue cuando, cuando me me lastimé, por eso, no porque es tan intenso y tan fuerte que, que siguen y siguen y siguen, y había como de 6 a 10 versadores, entonces había versos por todas partes, y improvisaban... Este, ...lo que estaba ahí en la, en la área... ...y cosas que ya conocían... ¿no? ...versos chistosos... ...versos más serios... ...entonces por eso duró tanto... ...pero la gente seguía... ...o sea no es... ...como te digo... ...no hay un final... ...es uh, es infinito... ...se puede decir... ...y eso eso es porque... ...como te decía... La, ...está la... ...la base este, rítmica... ...la base armónica... ...pero ya todo lo después... ...de todo eso... ...ya es este improvisación... ...los versos son improvisados o lo que te sepas, las melodías son improvisadas, hay unas melodías que son más prominentes que otras, pero realmente todo es improvisado. Y también los ritmos, ¿no? O sea, es todo improvisado y se crea la magia en ese en ese momento, ¿no? Este, uf. Um, entonces por eso es tan interesante para mí los sones, ¿no? No es tan tan rígido como una canción, sino es te puedes expresar bastante bien, ¿no?
10: y creo que de ahí venía mi, mi siguiente pregunta la improvisación de qué manera juega la improvisación de qué manera ustedes juegan con la improvisación cuándo comenzaron a improvisar
7: pues yo creo es es lo que como decía Zagbe este cuando ya te ya conoces la base o sea la base la estructura no y también manejas el ritmo eh, de un sentido no es de burlarse sino pues uno tiene que estar um, en conjunto con todos, ¿no? No te vas a andar tocando así a la loca. Entonces, sí tienes que dominar eso también con saber la base, ¿no? Los acentos, cosas así. Y ya de allí, pues, con la misma jarana este, puedes hacer, you ¿no? Know, acentos o este, algún floreo o alguna, una, como un ritmo entre la base. Este Se hace con el arpa, se hace con la percusión, con las leonas, también con el canto. O sea, es una más que nada es, es improvisación, pero es expresión más que nada. ¿Cómo te sientes? A veces no te sientes, no te gusta ese son, o sea, te vas a quedar así bien sencillo. Pero si te gusta así, te deshaces o te, you know, te, te desahogas, este, um, te inspira el son, entonces le quieres, le quieres pintar un poquito más bonito. Entonces cada persona se 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 permita hacer eso, ¿no? Pero también Eh, estando bien consciente y bien astuto de, de lo que está pasando en su alrededor. Muchas veces, este, en los fandangos, cuando uno llega está bien eh, ansioso a subir a la tarima o, o empezar a tocar, y salen todos descuadrados, pero porque es, es sola, es encontrando ese balance, ¿no? de de tu expresión, pero también de escuchar y tocar con los demás, porque de eso se trata, ¿no? Es compartir, pero también expresar, yo diría.
11: Yo yo también diría, como dice Laura, eh, compartir y expresar. Es como una conversación. Todo lo que es improvisación es como escuchar y y reaccionar y hablar y recibir eh, sonidos y dar sonidos. Es como una conversación, ¿no? Entonces, ahí como juega el papel de la improvisación, Es es una conversación entre los instrumentos, o sea, si si Zach calarpa toca laarpa y está haciendo unos contratiempos, yo puedo responder en el cajón, igual con la quijada, la leona y todo, eh, una conversación entre todos.
0: Ira y vuelta also played one of their tracks live in Studio B. Ida y vuelta are Lauren Cambron, Jaime Garza, Zach B. Pechardo and Daniel Villarreal. <coughs> Lumpen Week in Review is produced by the staff and volunteers of WLPN-LP Chicago, the community radio of the future. The Week in Review is edited and engineered by Logan Bay. The Lumpen theme, background, and interstitial music is by Mike Perkins. Lumpen Radio Sting by Dan Jugal. Voiceovers by Ed Marzuski, Jamie Trecker, and Shanna Volt. For more information on Lumpen Radio, visit lumpenradio.com. Lumpen Radio broadcasts on 105.5 FM in the Chicago area and worldwide via lumpinradio.com.